Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast, where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and you share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. What's going on, podcast family? If you're one of the thousands of students that listen to this podcast and have aspirations to work for a Fortune 500 company, whether it's starting as an intern or then working there full-time after graduation, then I have a very special treat for you. I will be conducting multiple webinars each week on how to get a job or internship with a Fortune 500 company. And in this webinar, I'm gonna cover three big secrets. Uh, Secret number one, I am gonna show you exactly how to get your resume passed through or get your resume beat over 90% of other applicants. And then secret number two, I'm gonna teach you how to access the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled. And then number three, I am gonna teach you how Fortune 500 companies handle campus recruitment and how you can take this insider secrets to your advantage. So if you wanna learn more, go to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash free training to register. Once you hit the register button, you will then have access to see all the times that I am doing this available. This is a free training, so you will have the opportunity to ask me all the questions that you want. So make sure you go to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash free training to register. See you guys all there. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm just going to have a conversation with a friend of mine, Kylie Ross, and she is the director of Activation Careers, and she's all the way in Australia. But what I wanted to have her on the podcast is I wanted to have her to have a conversation really about the fundamentals of getting a job, from transitioning yourself from being a college student to your career, because it doesn't matter where you are in the world that foundations are still the same. So we're just going to have a dialogue. Um, I hope you enjoy. And let me welcome Kylie to the show. Kylie, how are you doing today? Hi, thanks very much for having me. It's quite early here in Melbourne, sunny day today for a change. Usually pouring with rain. You never know in Melbourne what the weather's going to be doing. Grab my coffee and ready for a good chat with you about all things career related. Let's talk about it. Let's get started. But before we get started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into this crazy industry of helping individuals start their career? Oh, totally. Well, I've worked in so many industries, also overseas. I had a working holiday in Dublin, working holiday in London, loved it, learned a lot, a lot of key skills like resilience and adaptability, which are key skills that I think international students need when they're making their move, or all students really, when they're making their move from university um, to the world of work and started activating careers a couple of years ago and got a master's in social science with career education. Love anything to do with career counseling and get a buzz out of that light bulb moment when uh, my students have picked up on what I've said and they're applying it to their um, interview coaching session. Excellent. I'm excited because we live in, it feels like every day the world is getting smaller and, you know, the internet and the ability to do, you know, remote work and everything like that. And so I think it was really important to me to have somebody on the show to talk about what is the transition from college to career look like in another part of the world 
and to see what what's the difference, what, what are some of the things that are the same and what are some things that are different and kind of to talk about it in a podcast so that if any student's ever thinking about, you know, relocating, going work internationally, going to school and doing their master's or internationally, what are some things that they should take keep in mind when they are contacting companies, when they are interviewing? And so I want to talk about it. I'll talk about it, the perspective of how it is in America, and then we'll have Kylie talk about it, how it is in, in Australia and see what is different, what is similar. And, and so way, as a student listening to this podcast, you can take away some of those nuggets so that you can implement them if you are considering to working internationally. So Kylie, when in, in the United States, what I found is that when students are looking to interview, I have them really research three things, company, career, and the person. And what I talk a lot about when we talk about interviewing, I talk about how depending on the size of the company, um, you have different interview structures, but let's, let's, for the sake of just the audience, let's talk about the big multi, like the big billion dollar companies. Generally sure. they, have, they have three in, at least in the United States, um, Students will, yes, students will mm -hmm. go through three different rounds of interviews. Um, one of them will be towards like around HR, somebody would be the hiring managers and then it'll be directors. How is it like in Australia? Look, it's very similar. They do have a graduate program um, where students are selected to go to the top, the big four accounting firms, for example, or consulting firms, and they would go through um, lots of rounds of interviews as well. Uh, one thing we do here is assessment centres. It could be similar over there as well, where you get a group of students in a room and they're presented with a scenario that they need to um, research together and then as a group present back to the panel. So that will demonstrate which students are taking on a leadership role, which students are being supportive, which students have more of a data and analytical kind of bent. So that is a way that they start the recruitment process and analyze the, the current employability skills of a large cohort. And then from there, they progress to more individual interviews and it gets more and more competitive as the phases go along when you finally end up with an interview face-to-face -face with a panel, including the hiring manager, similar to what you said with the phases with HR. Uh, typically, a people and culture or HR person would be present in the uh, panel interview with the hiring manager and probably a project manager or a technical manager of the team that the person would be employed in. And then for you, what, like, so what advice do you have? If I am a student about to get ready for an interview, like how do you interview prep? Like what would be some of the advice that you'd give a student? Yeah, sure. And I think all of this is very universal because if you're coming into a brand new company, the sort of skills that you want to demonstrate, first of all, in terms of your own personal presentation, looking smart and being punctual, these are all the very basic things, but some things that people forget. And also, um, I always recommend doing a drive by the where you're going to have your interview so you're comfortable, you've worked out all the logistics, where you're going to park, give yourself enough time to arrive there. And from the moment you walk in the door, you're on show, you might be meeting the receptionist first. So make sure you make a good impression, smile on your face, look professional and courteous at all times. 
In terms of preparation for the interview questions, I think that's also something that all students throughout the world need to do. And the first port of call is obviously the, the website, but what I like uh, my students to look up is the mission and the, um, the values of the company so that they can be ready for any questions that the organisation may ask on the culture of the organisation. Also look up what products and services they provide. Um, and also one point of difference that I recommend is looking at any recent media or podcasts that are on the website so that they're very up to date with current events in the organisation and they can refer to that when they have an opportunity to ask questions. Um, typically at the end of the interview, you'll sound very informed and up to date with the company and that you've bothered to do that extra research. Another wealth of information is also the corporate plan or the annual plan, which is typically attached to the strategic section um, under about us of any large organisation. And you can get some really good nuggets of information in there that are current or at least in the current financial year that you can um, speak to regarding marketing or products. I love some of the advice that you give because it is, it's funny because I'm in the other side of the world and I teach my students very, very similar things. Uh, I talk about um, go setting Google alerts about the companies that you like, you know, very similar to what you're saying about looking at the latest news articles and podcasts and everything, you know, what's the, yeah. the company. Um, I tell my Job. students that they can go to google.com slash alerts and they can set up automatic emails about the companies that they're interested so that you're always up to date with the companies and and I, and I talk out to the students that um, you have to do the research um, when, when you think about an interview I describe that 50% um, of it is 50% of the success of the interview is what you do before you even walk into the interview in the first place how you get ready how do you research the company the position and the person interviewing you and the way that you prepare yourself um, ahead of time is gonna really set you for success yeah at the interview and i think there's another side to it as well as the the research that you do on the company that i was mentioning earlier that's great but it's also really important to research your own work history and have four or five really good examples that you can apply to the typical questions that they ask in an interview as well so um, in australia and possibly overseas as well they have behavioral questions and they're asking you to provide a specific example of when you encountered a problem dealing with a difficult customer or um, how you prioritize your time that sort of thing and it's really good to think back and when you're a university student you may not have a great wealth of work experience but if you've done some volunteer work or you've been involved in a leadership role within an association or sporting club at your uni you can think of some good examples from your volunteer work, your university work, and any part-time jobs you've had to demonstrate um, examples of leadership, communication, work prioritization, organization, that sort of thing, time management. Right, and I agree with you. You talked about behavioral questions in Australia and um, behavioral questions in the United States is also very big common practice. Um, and, yeah. And my, advi my advice to students when it comes to behavioral questions is to use the STAR method to be able yeah. To, yeah. Um, to answer it. 
do you, do you suggest using the star method as well? Yeah, the star method is, is, is key. It's really important to focus on what you brought to the solution, outline the situation, what you did to resolve it and not speak in terms of we did this, we did that. Focus on what you contributed to the problem and to solving the problem. So the star method is great, but I think it's also important to take a step back and really look at your own experiences in life and at work so that you have some good solid examples that you can apply to any question that you that they ask because you can have a same situation and you can answer a question on a difficult person in a team or about um, time management for example it's just the way that you spin or you you shift your focus from the example to the question that they ask because you never know what they're going to ask but if you have at least five solid examples in the back of your head and practice them beforehand, I think it also gives you a level of confidence that you've done your research on yourself as well as on the company. Then all of the other logistics that I mentioned earlier, like being prepared, getting there early and knowing what to expect as soon as you walk in the door, um, all of those things will all come together nicely so you can put your best foot forward in the interview, smile on your face, give a solid handshake and uh, be positive and just generally look interested in um, the company because a lot of employers report back to me that candidates just, they just don't look, they look very disengaged or disconnected from the whole experience. So it's actually a great opportunity to learn about yourself in the interview, regardless of the outcome. It's a great opportunity to learn and grow. So they're giving you their time. You're giving them your time. It's an equal exchange. It's even a business transaction in a way. You've got services to offer. They've got um, a role that they need filled and it's about finding the right match. So be confident, but also be curious and interested in what they're about because you don't want to just come across as I want a job as an accountant, for example. You want to come across as I want to be an accountant in your organization, whether it's a small one or a large big four accounting firm. Yeah, very interesting. Very, very similar. Um, I think it's, it's interesting that even in, in, it doesn't matter what the country is, at the end of the day, it's a person to person interaction, right? And so um, yeah. being interested, being, you know, be, going in there with a smile on, showing that you know your personality through your in interview is going to be critical because people hire people they like and trust and so you have to make sure that um you, you show interest and then you take it seriously because they are taking their time and investing their time and money and resources into interviewing you in yeah, terms of follow-up any advice on follow-up so the interview happened what's next yeah, typically at the end of the interview, um, they'll give you an opportunity for questions. And I strongly recommend that's when you shine in your interview and show all of the research that you've done and ask some interesting questions based on the research that you've done on their products and services or their recent media coverage. And then ask about what are the next steps. And usually the representative from people and culture will tell you that they're gonna take some time to consider all the applications and we'll get back to you within a certain time frame. Um, if there's no communication regarding what's the next steps and you've been appointed to the interview via a recruitment company, you can always contact the recruitment consultant to find out what are the next steps. 
Otherwise, if it's a bit of a black hole, I would give it, you know, a week before you follow up because you want to seem interested, but you also don't want to appear too pushy that you're pushing them to make a decision. I think a five working days is a good rule of thumb for following up. There's also some banter in Australia regarding whether it's a good idea or not to do a thank you um, card or email following the interview. And that's very much a personal decision. Um, I've done it a few times in my interview history, but it was when I really enjoyed the interview, was really interested in the role. And regardless of the outcome, I was really thankful for the opportunity for the interview. And that came across as genuine in the card that I sent or the email that I sent. But writing kind of cheesy thank you emails every single time can um, may not present you in the best light. That makes sense if you're not being genuine. Um, one of my favorite questions that I, I have all my students ask as their last question is, is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for this role? If uh, I asked that question in Australia, would, it be, would they look at me weird? Um, I think that I've never heard of a question like that before. So that's cool. It's a unique question. Um, it might put a bit of pressure on them to, um, to talk about the, the qualities that they're, they might still be processing the qualities of the candidate before them. They may, may not be in the best position to answer it straight away. Um, but I think a lot of a typical questions that we ask at the end are regarding, like I said, something specific that you found on the website to show that you've done your research and also about uh, the team structure or the cultural fit. So I think the cultural fit one is similar to what you're asking as in, do you have, do, does this, does the candidate have the qualities that the employer is looking for? Is it a good match? Yeah. I, I, so that question, a lot of students are like, I don't know if I can ask that. Um, that seems like you're putting them on the spot, but that's exactly why I want students to ask that question because you think about it like this, right? The question yeah. is, is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for this job, right? And the reality is, when if, if you've ever been in the other side of the shoe, list, someone listening to this, you know, as you're interviewing someone, you're making that decision, you're either yes or no. And maybe you find a reason why they might not be a good fit. Maybe the reason why you said it to, in your head was that they might not have enough leadership skills and the interview is flying by. You didn't get to cover the fact that you were the president of a, of a student organization. But with that question, it allows you to overcome their number one objection. So if the person interviewing says, well, Daniel, thank you for your time. Um, actually, I just don't know that you might, you don't have enough leadership skills that we are looking for. And then you have one opportunity to overcome it. A lot of times, the best yes. way that I've seen employees um, kind of die, like dodge the question is they say, well, we're still interviewing other candidates, but we'll let you know. Yeah, I think it, it's always a great way to open up the dialogue so that if you do have a perceived area of development or weakness that they're considering they may not know the full picture of everything that you've done in your um, personal time and like I said a lot of students will have great leadership experience from their um, 
associations and volunteer work that they've done at university. So if they have the opportunity to share that experience with the employer, that could switch around the outcome of the interview. So yeah, that's really important to open up that dialogue and asking a disruptive or challenging question like that is a great way to put them on the spot and also to show that you're able to, um, you're not afraid to go there and have that conversation, which also shows your confidence and interest in the role. Absolutely. It shows you want it. Um, definitely. If you're going into like a sales role, that is definitely a question you want to ask, but that kind of question, I, I really encourage any student, regardless of the position to go for it. Yeah. Uh, well, Ky- Kylie, let's talk. So, and t- so we talked a lot about interviewing in terms of resumes, how are resumes in Australia? Like, and how, like, is there a specific template that, that you suggest your students to follow? Yeah, it does. It does vary. But I think also uh, resume is a universal thing in that it's your ticket to get an interview. So you want to put the most relevant information on there to get you to the interview phase. And then from there, it's, it's how you walk in the door and how you present yourself and all of the information that you share and provide and showing all of your research. But with the resume, I know that the American format is typically one page and very concise and precise. The Australian one has a bit more detail in it, um, starting off with a professional summary, uh, skills section education, and then your employment history in reverse chronological order. Uh, But typically you'll have quite a few bullet points underneath each role that you've done, outlining in more detail specific achievements that you've made, maybe a sales target or how many people you've led in a team and your typical responsibilities. So depending on the level of experience, a graduate or a university student would be a maximum of two pages. Someone like me who's worked for 20 years, mine is two to three pages long and um, going back just 10 years, um, just keeping it to the most relevant information. But that for a university student, they're still very young and, and eager. And so they won't have to worry about that for another 20 years or so. But just to keep in mind a two to three page resume, but I think universally resumes cover the same content, obviously your employment experience, your skills, what you can bring to an organization, what value add you have, and also a section on your um, personality, like your skills such as employability skills, your resourcefulness, your ability to communicate, collaborate, all of those great C words about um, compassion and um, just um, being a human in general. I think those are things that are universal and apply to any student or any person looking for work around the world. Excellent. And then uh, in terms of LinkedIn, how important is LinkedIn in Australia? Is, is it being used? Like in America, yeah. LinkedIn will be replacing resumes, I believe. It's my theory. Yeah, yeah. Love. I love the LinkedIn platform and we have uh, LinkedIn Local as well, which is an opportunity in Melbourne. And I, I know they have some in America as well. Um, that's promoted by some really proactive people in the LinkedIn space. And Everyone gets together in person to network and to talk about LinkedIn as a social media platform. Um, It's great for posting content, videos. I do a career tip for Tuesday, every Tuesday um, on a specific topic that's relevant, that comes to mind on the day, just a quick video. Um, Having a student having a LinkedIn profile is critical. 
Um, get it up early, even while you're studying, put up your educational qualifications and any part-time experience you have and start building your connections early so that once you um, looking for work, there are a lot of uh, functions on the LinkedIn platform, such as jobs as well, where jobs are even posted on LinkedIn and they don't even bother going to employment um, search engines anymore for looking for um, seeking candidates. They just, the HR people go straight to LinkedIn to look at the profiles. So very important to have your profile up there looking professional, having a professional picture, good smile, not like a social one, just um, something professional and presentable. And um, it's all also about how much you contribute to the LinkedIn platform as well. The more you comment, like and post, create your own content, I think you gain greater visibility and traction with the LinkedIn algorithms. I'm no expert on that, but I just go by the basic philosophy. If you you give, uh, you will receive, and it's great to communicate and collaborate with people in your profession on that platform that you may or may not encounter in real life, and especially around the world, because I've got contacts from the US and the UK and all over the place. And it was great. I posted a video a few weeks ago and I saw there was someone looking at my video from over in Poland. So I'm like, okay, cool. It does get around. It's very, it's a very universal um, tool that we can use to break down the barriers. And as you said earlier in the podcast, you know, the world is a smaller and smaller place. Absolutely. Yeah. LinkedIn, LinkedIn is definitely changing the way that um, you, you, you just approach professional, like it's the professional social network. So definitely students, I know we talked about LinkedIn quite often in this podcast, definitely connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, Kylie, last question for you, you know, for students listening to this are generally either driving to school, going to the gym, you know, they're multitasking. So um, I really like to have every student take away one major thing from this podcast. So what would be the one thing that you would want a student listening to this podcast take away? Yeah, um, so don't underestimate the, the value that you bring to an interview with all of your wealth of personal and professional experience. You've got a lot to offer an employer. So have a think about all the things that you've experienced, achieved both um, in your family unit, um, with your friends and during your studies and travel. and it doesn't matter where the experience comes from. If it's relevant to the question, mention it. And it shows uh, the breadth of experience that you have, that you're a well-rounded person and that you'd be a great uh, cultural fit for the organization because you can show those skills of adaptability, communication and collaborating with your peers. Love it. And Kylie, how can students uh, listening to this podcast, they would love to connect with you. What's the best way to connect with you? Oh, well, I have a website, which is activatingcareers.com.au. Also, I'm on LinkedIn as under my name, Kylie Ross, and you'll see me as Director of Activating Careers. And I have a Facebook page with Activating Careers also. So my Career Tip for Tuesday video um, is available both on the LinkedIn and the Facebook um, platforms every Tuesday. And um, love, love to connect and happy to answer any any questions from students over in the US. Love to have a dialogue with you. So if there's any direct messages you'd like to know, 
I'm more than happy to answer any questions from you directly. Excellent. And as always, you can always find all those links that she just provided on the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoy this conversation between me, myself, and Kylie Ross. She's the director of Activation Career of Activation Careers. Um, Kylie, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. And everybody listening, catch you guys on the next episode. have made it to the end of the podcast just want to remind you if you are interested in signing up for that free training class on how to land a job with a fortune 500 company head to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash free training to sign up this is a live class so you will be able to ask me questions and remember this is limited to the first 100 students see you there If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career, doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.